Have you tried changing your health year on year, resolving that this year things are going to be different, but nothing seems to change? Oftentimes, when things are not changing, we're following many wellness myths and not looking at the full picture, including our nutrition, recovery, stress management, leaving out mind-body connection. I want to introduce you to Wellness Redefined, a new podcast from Refillion Media that's here to dispel all your myths about wellness and fitness while sharing stories of how we redefine what it means to be healthy. On each episode, we'll be talking to experts from all walks of life who will share their own unique wellness journey and offer their perspective. I am your host, Tamika Rochester, founder and CEO of Harlem Cycle, a premier wellness space in New York City with a focus on indoor cycling. I've been an advocate for wellness since as early as I can remember. So if this sounds like something that could help change your life, go ahead and pause the show you're listening to and subscribe to Wellness Redefined on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Storytime, where we talk about all things real estate. I'm your host, Saad Munir. Today, I have my longtime colleague, Tony Signorelli from Ironside Insurance joining me. He's based in Greater Boston as well, and I've known him from back in my financial advisor days, right out of college, where my firm partnered with him, I think, to offer auto insurance to our clients. Is that right, Tony? Yeah, back when I was at Liberty Mutual, we did everything, the auto home, but yeah, auto was the primary uh, lead line back then. I can't believe so. That was 20 years ago. 15, 16 years ago. Yeah, Yeah, crazy, crazy. And now Tony is my go-to for my own property insurance needs, as well as for my clients. So we've come full circle. Uh, Tony, welcome to Storytime. For the folks tuning in, to uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, maybe how and when you got into the home insurance business and what brings you on the podcast today. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, well, to answer your last question, you asked me and I said, sure, let's do it. So let's <laughs> <laughs> get right there. Uh, but yeah, we've been working together for a long time now, uh, you know, ever since you joined Tori a few years back. And, you know, what really got me in the insurance industry was, you know, looking at uh, various um Jobs, you know, coming out of college and really the insurance kind of stuck out uh, among the others. The other being was financial advising, which, you know, you went into and I went the other route. So here we are, which is kind of funny. Uh, but, you know, I had the opportunity to work at Liberty Mutual. It was a great company. You know, really learned quite a bit back then. And then about, uh, oh, man, 10 years ago, I went on the independent side. Um, and now I'm at Ironside Insurance as a sales director where I get to manage a team of producers as well, still grow my own book. And you know, really that independent side, which I know is a huge benefit for your clients is incredibly helpful because what right. that means is we have a wide array of carriers that we work with. I, I, we have more and more everyday sod, so I think we're up to 65 carriers, but it could be 70. I have no idea. Um, so really why that's important, and we can probably touch on this later, is, you know, when we shop for someone's needs, we're not just going to do some cookie cutter thing and say, here's a carrier, good luck on it. You know, we're really taking all right. the information down and see what particular company is you know, going to do three things for a homeowner. One, who's going to meet their lender's insurance requirements, you know, because each lender has slightly different requirements. You know, two, who's going to give them great coverage. You know, if something does happen, you know, it's probably the largest asset to date. We want to make sure that's protected. And then lastly, you know, obviously they have a lot of closing costs. So we still want to meet those first two, but we want to make sure this is cost effective too. So they're, you know, they're not paying an arm and a leg. Um, right. And then once we find that carrier, that's the option that we present to them. 
Love it. Yeah. And now, now obviously, Tony, home insurance isn't the first thing people think about when they're getting ready to buy a property, right? They're worried about the price. They're worried about their rate if they're getting a loan. They're worried about furniture even before they're, before they're thinking about home insurance. But obviously, home insurance is critical and even mandatory in many cases, especially if you're getting a loan. So uh, what I want to do today is go through some of the do's, some of the don'ts, uh, with you uh, for our audience uh, in just a little bit. Does that sound good? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So let's th let's set the stage uh, with some general info and stats first. First, the average annual cost of homeowners insurance is $1,445. Now, this number can vary depending on a number of different factors, including the value of your home, your location, the type of property, and the insurance company itself. The most common homeowner's insurance claims are for theft, for fire, and for water damage. Now, it sounds like, uh, from what I read, uh, and, and Tony, correct me if I'm wrong or correct the data if it's wrong, uh, these three claims account for about 70% of all homeowner's insurance claims. Is that accurate? Yeah, it's definitely accurate. I can tell you in the New England area where we are, uh, it's probably more water damage than anything. Yeah, um, makes you sense. Get ice dams, especially in the wintertime, frozen pipes. Um, so water damage in New England is by far the biggest claim we see. Makes sense. Um, the average homeowner's insurance claim uh, costs $10,000. Um, however, obviously, some claims can cost much more depending on the severity of the loss. Uh, I'll get into a little bit of that in particular a story with a client in a little bit on that. Um, some additional statistics from the National Association of insurance commissioners. Uh, first, the average homeowner's insurance premium in the United States has increased by 3.1% in the past year. Now, obviously, with the cost of materials, with inflation, with just the cost of everything going up, um, naturally, you can expect the cost of insurance to go up year over year. Uh, the states with the highest average homeowner's insurance premiums are Florida, Louisiana, and of course, Texas, where Tony knows I just bought some property there. I had no idea hail was such a big deal there. Uh, but, yeah, but for that reason, it's very expensive, my friend. Yeah, yeah. I found out the hard way. So, mm -hmm. uh, the states with the lowest average homeowners insurance premiums are North Dakota, South Dakota, and Wyoming. And about 85% of homeowners in the United States have homeowners insurance. Um, I want to ask you about that last bit, Tony. Uh, why is that number so high? And 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 and, and, and let's let's kind of we'll jump into the next section too. Why is homeowners insurance in general so important? Yeah, great question. So, I mean, when you buy a uh, property, you know, buy a home, obviously for most people, it's your biggest asset to date. So, you want to make sure, heaven forbid, something happens, catches on fire, a tree falls on it, that you're protected. You know, most people, you know, if their home caught on fire and, you know, say New England, the average, you know, home price right now is around 750, 800,000. You know, if they had to pay that out of pocket, that just wouldn't be reasonable. Um, right. So you need an insurance policy that will cover that. Um, you know, the number's so high too, because if you are getting a loan, every bank is going to require that you have homeowner's insurance. Um, once your loan's paid off, you know, that's up to you. Uh, but, you know, I don't have the exact stat, but I would imagine the majority, well over the majority of people still even without a loan, have a homeowner's insurance policy uh, just for that reason that, you know, if something happens, they don't want to be out of pocket that $800,000. Right. So mainly it's that, it's that last total loss uh, sure. um, kind of situation, right? Yep. It's uh, one thing I want to bring up too that you touched on as well is, you know, the rates going up. Uh, that was a national average. It's probably higher in New England. 
Mm. You know, our average homeowner's rate a couple of years ago was $1,100. You know, as you mentioned, it's 1400 right now, and it's probably going to keep going up. So what had happened it was kind of a perfect storm of COVID in the market. Um, when COVID happened, uh, I don't know if people know this, but there's four major lumber yards in the country. Two of them shut down altogether. Um, wow. So the supply uh, of lumber was reduced drastically. And then, you know, the, the workforce out there went down as well. So the, the labor rates went up. So if we insure your house three years over 700000 you know, it might cost 900000 right now. So just due to the simple fact that it costs more to rebuild your home, the rate goes up. The cost of replacement alone, yeah. Exactly. The other thing that happened uh, was the market. You know, not a lot of people realize this, but insurance companies take all those premiums in and they invest it themselves. So if the market's going bad and they're not getting a return on it, that's how they make up the difference there. And vice versa, when the market's doing really well, you know, they can lower the rates as well. So, you know, the market does have quite a significant impact on insurance rates, too. As does your mortgage rates, as you can tell. Right, right. So, so uh, you just touched on mortgages. So, um, why do and it's probably related to what you just mentioned, but why do most, if not all, lenders require home insurance? Yeah. So, if you take a mortgage out, you know, you buy that seven hundred fifty thousand dollars house, maybe you put a hundred thousand down. You know, the bank's you know on the hook for six hundred fifty thousand. So. Heaven forbid, if that property burned down, they want to make sure that there's an insurance policy because, you know, that's technically their asset until you pay that mortgage off. So right. all banks require it. Um, you know, that's why they make you escrow the payments the first couple of years. Um, so they know that you have that policy in place. Right. OK. Um, and then uh, one other question. I get this a lot from clients. What's the difference between home insurance and a home warranty? <laughs> that's a good one. I, I get that quite a bit, too. Home insurance covers the actual building. Uh, well, it, it covers a few things, but the big thing, especially for the banks, is they want to know if the house catches on fire, that you know, the actual structure of the home is going to be rebuilt. Now, what it also covers for you is all your personal belongings, clothes, shoes, electronic furniture. And then the other one that people kind of you know glaze over sometimes is it gives you liability coverage as well. Um, heaven forbid if someone were to get hurt on your property and they were to sue you, um, you know, most policies give you at least $500,000 in coverage. We generally give a million dollars just given due to the value of the houses. We want to protect that. Um, home warranty is completely separate. Um, think of that like if you bought a brand new Apple computer and you wanted to get like, you know, the two, three, four year, you know, warranty on it that costs a little bit extra. So if the, the computer breaks, something that was Apple's fault that you're covered for. The home warranty would do the same thing for your fridge, uh, your furnace, you know, so if one of those items went and it wasn't because of a covered claim, you know, just because you know, maybe they're a little bit older, your home warranty would kick in. So for your fridge, for example, I can give you a couple different scenarios. If the house burned uh, down, you know, obviously that was due to a fire that's covered under home insurance, they're going to give you a brand new fridge. But if your fridge is three years old and, you know, your warranty with, uh, I don't know, Frigidaire ran out. And the fridge went just because it was getting older or maybe there was an issue with the fridge. Your home insurance is not going to cover that. You know, right. That's just kind of wear and tear. You know, in some cases they might say it was negligence, but you know, that's not what home insurance is. Your home warranty would kick in for that scenario there, though. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And just for the audience, I mean, home warranties, uh, I mean, every, anybody can buy them, but they're very common amongst new construction. Uh, mm -hmm. basically the seller or the developer in most cases, they would offer a, 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 a builder's warranty, which is essentially kind of like a home warranty of sorts uh, for the first year. So uh, something for folks to keep in mind as they're 
<clears throat> excuse me, especially as they're evaluating new construction projects and, and what have you. Make sure you have a home warranty, but make sure you get your home insurance too. <laughs> Completely different. The home insurance is required by the bank. The home warranty isn't. Not to say yes. you don't get it, but um, right. the home insurance, you definitely you have to get that. Definitely. Okay, Tony, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll delve into the do's and don'ts of home insurance. Hey everyone, Saad here from Storytime. I hope you're enjoying all the talk about real estate. I absolutely love it and I have been having a ton of fun putting these together for you. If you're liking what you're hearing or even if you've learned something new, one thing that would be super helpful is if you would leave a rating on Spotify and a review on Apple or wherever you get your podcast. It would mean a ton to us. It helps us reach more people and build a community of real estate enthusiasts. Also, if you have any real estate questions, I'd love to hear from you. Reach out to me through my Instagram handle. That's Saad Munir. I'm easily searchable, but S-A-A-D-M-U-N-1-R. The I is a one. And I might even be able to answer your question in a future episode. Thanks again for tuning into Storytime. Welcome back to Storytime. Today, we're talking about best practices and things to keep in mind around home insurance. Just a reminder, my guest today is Tony Signorelli, who is an insurance broker with Ironside Insurance. All right, so let's get into the meat here. Uh, Tony, obviously, you're the pro. I want you to kind of share with all of us what are kind of like the big do's and don'ts when it comes to home insurance. I mean, fire away, fire away and obviously, um, obviously, like, you know, you see, you've written tons of policies and you see lots of different situations. So really kind of relying on your expertise here uh, to share with us what are kind of the things to do and the things to do not to not to do. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that. Uh, so the biggest thing is just understanding what you're insuring. So uh, when we insure a property, we're not interested in the mortgage amount, you know, the appraised value, the market value. All we want to know is the rebuild value. So very simply what that means is if that home were to burn down and we had to hire a contractor to go in there, how much is that going to cost? So I'll give you a couple scenarios to try to you know, illustrate this picture here. You know, Say you're buying a 5,000 square foot home in Weston. You know, it's a beautiful home. It's a gorgeous home. <laughs> but you know, they might sell that house for $5 million. There is no way it's going to cost a contractor to you know, rebuild that house, $5 million. They could probably rebuild that for 2.5 million, mm -hmm. uh, maybe 3 million, but it's not going to be 5 million. So there's no reason for us to insure that home for $5 million. We just want to know what's the replacement cost going to be. And we have, you know, data that we use and we have a, a system that kind of pops out an algorithm and says, here's how much it's going to be. Um, the second thing is on the uh, flip side, you know, there are times that we'll talk with uh, developers and we're seeing it quite a bit right now, you know, uh, that are buying homes in Brockton, Lowell, um, and they're buying gorgeous, you know, multifamily homes. You know, but these homes might be four or five thousand square feet, four families, you know, but they're getting it for, say, seven hundred thousand. This is again for seven hundred thousand. It might cost us one point three, one point four million to rebuild that entire building mm -hmm. right there. So it does, you know, happen on certain sides. Uh, multifamilies usually cost more than what you're buying them for, again, depending upon the area. Um, so that's the first thing you got to know is make sure that you're getting the right coverage um, for that. Now, I'm not going to knock any carriers on this, but if you're going online and you're trying to plug in your own numbers and you don't really have an idea, you know, what the true construction cost is, that's where you can get yourself in a little bit of trouble there. Because right. 
if you were to, you know, do that multifamily home and you plug in a line that I'm going to insure for 700,000, that's my mortgage amount right there. And the mortgage company tells you, yeah, we're fine with that. Um, that's all we're lending you. So that's all we really care about, you know, and you have a claim, you don't realize that you don't have enough coverage to rebuild that home. Um, some other things that we have in the place on policies that you should be aware of is the endorsement sections. And then the biggest endorsement is um, either expanded replacement costs or guaranteed replacement costs. And this was a big one during COVID because as I mentioned to you um, during COVID, the cost to rebuild the home went up quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to use a simple number here. Let's say your house was a million dollars to rebuild. The majority of the policies we sell will either have 150% coverage or they have guaranteed replacement costs on there. So what that means is if you had the 150%, if there was a claim, our carriers were telling you we're willing to spend up to 1.5 million. So when we set the policy up, we thought it was a million dollars. If it jumped up to 1.3 million during COVID, don't worry about it. We're willing to pay 1.5 anyways. Right. Other carriers, um, like Andover Insurance is a great local company here. They give you what's called guaranteed replacement cost. So if they told you they, they will cost a million, you insured for a million, it comes back at one three, one four, at one seven. It doesn't matter what the number comes back at. They guarantee they're going to replace it regardless of what that actual figure comes. So when you set up the policy, like you said, the big do is you got to understand not only the coverages, but the endorsements that you're going to have on that policy. So that's probably the biggest one. Um, so I'm kind of touched on a little bit earlier. Another kind of do's and don'ts is, you know, make sure that you're uh, shopping this around. Um, so that's what we do for your team. Um, you know, rather than have your client call, you know, 40 different people, we talk to them, we shop it with, you know, 40, 50 carriers for them. Um, because, you know, one company's going to be great at one thing. They're not going to be great at everything. Um, to give you an idea, um, you know, Vermont Mutual is an actual company that we work with. You know, they have great multifamily rates in the city. You get a little further out in the city, Norfolk and Dedham might have better multifamily rates. So it's really important that you are shopping it. Um, but most people, when they say, oh, you should get like 40 quotes, it scares them. They're like, I don't have time to do that. <laughs> and I would agree. That's what our job is. We do that for you. And then, you know, on the independent agency side, just so everyone understands, there's no cost for using our services whatsoever. Um, so even though we're going to shop with everyone, it doesn't cost the client anything. Um, the way we get compensated, and I always get this question, so I try to get out of the way, is um, we get a fee from the insurance company each year because we're the ones servicing the policy. So if you have a claim or you need to make a change to your policy, you'll be calling us up. We're the ones that handle everything for you. And again, with the rate, if you were to get a director to go through us, it's still the same rate. It's not costing the client anything to do that. It's just who's going to service the policy, the carrier directly, or is it going to be us? So well, another thing is like, how often should uh, should homeowners be reviewing their policies? Is this something that they need to be reviewing every year? Is it something that they should be reviewing every five years? Like, what, what is your suggestion on that? Yeah, that's a great question, Saad. Uh, before, I used to say every three years because carriers didn't really change the rates much. I mean, they would definitely alter, but it wouldn't be some drastic one. Since COVID, the rates have you know really been fluctuating. Um, so we have a, a system at our agency that if your rate goes up by more than 10%, we automatically shop it for you. I mean, the clients probably don't even know what we're doing on the back end. We get the renewals, you know, six to eight weeks prior to renewal. If it jumps up more than 10%, we're shopping it for you. And then we'll let you know probably three to four weeks before the renewal. Like, unfortunately, it's still the best option we have. Or, you know, it looks like we had you with XYZ company, but, you know, ABC company give you the same coverage, you know, for $400 less. Would you like us to switch? So um, to kind of answer your question directly, uh, yes, right now it is a great time if you see your rate go by over 10% to, you know, start shopping that annually. Got it. Okay. 
Um, and it's when it comes to uh, when it comes to claims. I mean, you had mentioned that you know your team handles like the claims processes, any mm-hmm. servicing of the policies, etc. Um, what it, like if something happens with your property, is it advised? I mean, I, w- I would guess it's advised to just file a claim promptly and not wait, right? Like, I mean, is that the best practice? Yeah, you definitely want to make sure the carriers know as soon as possible. Um, so kind of if you have like a worst case scenario where, you know, a tree fell on your roof and it's raining now, you have water coming in, um, you would want to file that immediately. If it's on the weekends and they're not open, you know, we'd advise you to call like a surf pro or restoration disaster company to come in there. Um, you know, they are expensive, but at the same time, they're going to mitigate the amount of damage done. Yeah. Um, so what could be, you know, $100,000 in damage if you don't call, they get there in time, it might be $10,000 in damage. So right. um, we, we highly, highly recommend, I can't stress enough, highly recommend that you file that claim with your carrier as soon as possible. As soon as possible. Um, Bigger yeah. small. Got it. Um, the deductible. Uh, a lot of people, I mean, you know, people talk about deductibles all the time, like, you know, reducing the cost of the policy. You have a higher, higher deductible, though. But, uh, you know, some people like the lower deductible in case they like to. But, you know, in exchange for a higher premium, um, what are your thoughts there? What are some kind of best practices on that front? Yeah, great question. So what we do is we try to take a look at what the deductible is and the difference in level to see when your break even point is. So a great example of this would be you know, the lowest deductible we offer home insurance is $500. But a lot of times, if you go to a $1,000 deductible, it might save you, say, $200, right? So if it saves you $200, your break-even points two and a half years. The chances that you're going to have a claim every two and a half years is unlikely. It's just, you know, the average yeah. people might go 11, 12 years without a claim. So in that case, you can break it out and say, you know, it's actually going to cost you money by doing that $500 deductible. But when you look at a $1,000 deductible first a $5,000 deductible, it might save you $20. Mm. You know, if it's going to save you $20, your break-even point's 40 years. And at right. that point, you're kind of, it's probably not worth it there. Um, now, when you get into some of the higher value homes, there could be a pretty big difference between one and 5,000. Um, right. You know, we've done some homes that are like, you know, three and a half million, and you're talking about a $1,000 difference between a $1,000 and a $5,000 deductible, which in that case, it's a no-brainer. You, you would definitely want to take that higher one. Right. So doing that analysis, like you said, a break-even analysis is, seems like it's critical uh, when yep. it comes to evaluating your policies and uh, and making changes as well. So that's for home insurance. Um, you know, I do want to touch on flood insurance, as you know, we help you with that too. For flood insurance, if you are in a high-risk flood zone, there's two of the main ones are AE and V. Uh, the V is a very, very high risk, but I'm going to focus on the AE right now, which is the more common of the high-risk flood zones. Um, that's stating that you'll, that the likelihood you would have a claim is once every hundred years. Hmm. So if you know that you're probably going to file a claim once every hundred years, I've told people to take the $10,000 deductible for, you know, the difference between your thousand dollar rate and your $10,000 rate could be, you know, $700 a year, but times that over the, the life of that policy, you know, it's still, you're going to save money by taking that. Right. And would, very rarely ever recommend that on a homeowner's policy, um, but for flood insurance, you know, taking those high deductibles, it, it, you know, financially, if you're comfortable with that amount, um, you know, it, it can make sense for you. Got it. Makes sense. Um, and when it comes to uh, renovations and like making adjustments to a property, um, I mean, it, it seems like it would be prudent to notify your insurance company 
uh, well ahead of time <laughs> before uh, before even going, maybe before even like starting the process of the renovation. But what is the typical pro the practice, best practice when it comes to uh, those types of projects? Yeah, great question. So the first thing is we want to know is if you're going to be living there or not. Uh, if you're going to be living in the home, um, you really don't have to do much until the project's over. You know, we okay. don't have to switch the policy up. You know, it's still homeowner's policy. It's going to cover you. If you're not living in the house for an extended period of time, um, the homeowners will not cover you. Home only, homeowners insurance only covers you while it's owner-occupied. So if it's going to be vacant, you have to switch it over to what's called the builder's risk policy, which states the home's vacant and that you're going to be doing work to it. Typically, those policies are twice as expensive than homeowners insurance. You know, for the simple fact that if something were to happen, you know, it could be days before they would catch it. You know, if something happens on a Friday night, no one's in that house till Monday morning. The amount of damage that can be done would be mm. significant. So those rates are, are certainly higher. Um, if you are going to be living there, though, um, it depends on the scope of the work that you're doing. You know, a lot of people think that, you know, I just did redid my kitchen. My, my uh, replacement cost went up significantly. It probably went up, but not as much as you think, because you might take a hundred thousand dollars out of the kitchen you had when you removed it, and then you put a hundred and fifty thousand into it. So your net mm -hmm. effect was fifty thousand. A lot of the carriers they give gotcha. you that hundred and fifty percent replacement cost, so it's not going to really skew your numbers all that much. Now, if you're doing a major one where you maybe put an addition on the double the size of your house, yes, you have to notify yeah. us uh, as soon as that's done, because you know if we insure for three hundred thousand, you just double your house where it's six hundred thousand now there's going to be an issue there. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, so keep your insurance company uh, like t attuned to whatever you're doing, um, renovations, what have you. Don't wait to file a claim. Don't underinsure your home. Keep in mind the break-even analysis and shop around for rates. I mean, those are probably several kind of takeaways that folks can uh, can kind of like, you know, write down for themselves or keep in the back of their minds. Um, anything I missed there? No, that was it. Sorry, you know, there was, you know, really just again shopping around because not every uh, carrier is going to be the best at everything. So you got to make sure you kind of for your unique situation, you find which companies are the best for you. That's right. Uh, so you mentioned something earlier too about escrowing the payments. So that's one thing I wanted to ask you about. Is that you? Is that that's not required in all instances? Correct. So this is probably a better question for a lender, um, but I can tell you in my experience, um, usually with most banks, if you put 20% down or you have 20% equity in the house, they will not require you to escrow the payments. Okay. Um, they usually always recommend it, but if you tell them you don't want to, um, if you have 20% equity, a lot will take that away. Got it. Uh, the other time is if you've had your mortgage for two consecutive years, you never missed a payment, which I'm sure you haven't. Um, you can call up and request to have the insurance come off escrow. And um, it's, again, it's up to the bank, but you know, I've seen that banks are more willing to do that if you have two years with them. Um, in either case, honestly, you're paying the same amount. It doesn't matter. It's just whether you're having the bank pay it for you or if you're paying it every year. Yeah. And just, so just for the audience, I mean, it's just easier if you escrow them. I mean, somebody I else is just paying for it. Super easy. Uh, on, on, uh, on most of my properties, I have that happening. So uh, I wish it was, I wish I was doing it for the one that I don't have it happening on just because it's something that I have to think about. And when I get the bill, I'm like, oh, I got to pay this one. So, um, so, uh, so just something for everyone to keep in mind there. Um, rapid fire really quickly. When it comes to condos or multifamilies, anything in particular that, uh, that buyers should be aware of when it comes to those two types of properties? 
All right, so we're doing this one quick, so I'll let you know. Condos, you got to look at the bylaws. Um, it's super, super important that you understand how that master insurance policy is set up. So when you pay your condo fees each month, a portion of those fees goes to the master insurance policy. And they can be written either all in or studs out. An all in policy means it covers the building, covers the common areas, and it also covers the interior of your unit. Um, in that scenario, I would still recommend a small policy to cover your master policy deductible, cover your personal belongings, and most importantly, give you liability coverage. So if someone gets hurt on your property, they sue you, you have protection. Those probably cost $30, $40 a month. They're not much. Right. Right. If your master policy studs out, it means it covers the building and the common areas. But in addition to your property and liability, you also now have to cover the interior of your unit. So drywall, hardwood floors, countertops, cabinets, appliances, things like that. So um, if that's the case, the bank makes you get a condo policy um, and those ones can cost uh, I don't know, $60, $70 a month. But right. the way we know is in the bylaws, it will say how that's set up. And then multifamilies are pretty similar than the single family homes with the one exception that um, whether you're going to be living in one of the units or not. If you're living in one of the units, we still do homeowners insurance. Um, but we just know it's a you know, three family, but two of them are tenant occupied. If you're not mm -hmm. living in one of the units, you have to get a landlord policy, uh, which there's two types of policies. You can do a dwelling fire, which is around the personal lines, or you can get a business owner's policy, which is written on the commercial lines. Um, you know, not to say one's, well, like the business owner's one has better coverage, but, you know, sometimes they are more expensive. So, you know, we like to give everyone the option of saying, you know, here's what you get on this and the rate, and here's what you get on this and the rate, and let them make the decision what's, uh, you know, best for their interest. Makes sense. Tony, I'm sure, obviously, as I mentioned before, you've dealt with all types of scenarios through all the clients you've worked with, all the policies you've written. Any particular story that jumps out at you that maybe highlights some aspect of what we've discussed today? Oh, son, I've, I've seen everything, man. I've seen Million Dollars Home Burn Down. Um, as far as stories, it's just really, you know, like I said, we've done a house in, uh, I think this one was in Whaling, and... Uh, you know, we thought the replacement value would be 2.5 million. The inspector went in there and they came back at 4 million. I'm like, there's no way we're off that much. And then the inspector sent us photos that, you know, they have a movie theater in there, a bowling alley, um, you know, indoor basketball court. It was just, you know, I was like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. Like up to 4 million. So, <laughs> um, you know, really, again, the biggest thing is we just got to make sure we get the correct replacement cost on that house. If that burns down. You know, I always tell people when they think the number's too high, I'm like, you want us to rebuild it with two by fours or Lincoln logs? You know, there's a difference. So, you know, you got to make sure that, that value is accurate. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, like, so, so two, two summers ago, I sold a, a, a single family home to a guy not too far outside the city. This was in Waltham. Uh, half his house burned down because something was left out in the kitchen. Uh, he filed and refiled a claim to get the house essentially rebuilt, but it took almost eight months or so to get everything settled so he could start the actual process even of rebuilding the house. Uh, thankfully, he did get it eventually sorted out, but that's a long time of him and his three cats, I believe, living in a hotel or with friends trying to get the next get to the next step. Uh, obviously, major headaches. Uh, and stress naturally along the way. Uh, and Tony, this was one of the few folks I've worked with that already had an insurance contact. It was a friend of his uh, they wanted to use. My question to you is this for that scenario. Is that timeline for something like that typical? You saw it's hard to tell you on that one because it really is case by case. And the reason I say that is 
you know, that home burns down. Uh, not only are they going to get the adjusters out there, they got to come to an agreement on the value, which is probably yeah. the easy part, honestly. The hard part is when you go to rebuild, you're going to have to file permits with the city, the town you live in. You know, do they inspect on a, you know, how easy is it to get those inspectors in there with the town to make sure that, you know, the electric was done correctly, the plumbing was done correctly in the new house. So if you're in a town where, you know, the inspector is going to work with you, um, I won't name towns, but if you live in a city named Boston, good luck on that one. Um, but some of the suburb towns, it's a lot easier to get that stuff done. Um, so it, it just depends where you live, um, you know, how and the contractor they hire and how how fast they can move. You know, a lot of the insurance companies, once they agree to the amount, they're ready to write that check. It's just willing, you know, how fast that um, the contracting of the house done. Sure. Yeah. Um Cool. Awesome. Well, look, in conclusion, yeah, I mean, home insurance isn't sexy. We all know that by by any means, but it's a small price to pay to have some peace of mind. And of course, uh, to protect what is likely your most valuable asset, like Tony said earlier. So we let um, the realtors and the lenders be the sexy ones. We'll just be the next one. <laughs> I mean, I mean but, but at the end of the day, like we're a team, right? And we all have to kind of like work together to get our clients to the finish line. In all likelihood, um, our clients are required to get home insurance uh, because they're most likely getting financing. Um, and even if you're a cash buyer, you probably want to protect your investment, right? Um, and for a little money, you can likely get significantly better coverage. So uh, basically the to-dos for everybody, or I guess like the takeaways are do your homework, get some help, work with professionals that have seen everything and are connected to various providers to both save you some time, but also ensure you're getting to the best option quickly. Um, I know from experience, Tony has been an invaluable resource, both for my clients and for myself personally. Um, so I highly encourage um, any of you to get in touch with him. If you want to review your, option, review your options, feel free to reach out to me or uh, reach out to the podcast email um, if you want to get in touch with him. Uh, Tony, Thanks for jumping on with me today. Always fun catching up with you and learning from you, man. Really appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thank you. Of course. Uh, and to everyone else, thanks for joining us on Storytime. I'm Saad Munir. Until next time.